Welcome to the Appalachian Baptist Network. We seek to equip, encourage, and engage pastors and church leaders in the Appalachian region. We focus on having conversations on church revitalization in the mountains and beyond. Your hosts are Matthew Jacobs, Brent Snyder, Jacob Gwynn, and Travis Tyler. Welcome back to the Appalachian Baptist Network. I'm your host, Travis Tyler, and joining me here today uh, as a part two, I guess we're going to call these the uh, Darren Patrick series, is this episode's on friendship, and I have, of course, my friends, my co-host here with me. Uh, Jaron Street is here, and Jacob Gwynn. Hey, guys, how you doing? Good. All right, doing well. And then, how fitting on an episode about friendship that I talk with one of my longtime friends in ministry, uh, Pastor Neil Nelson, who's up in Toma, Wisconsin, Evangelical Free Church. Please refer back to the previous episode to hear more about him. Uh, but Neil, glad you're with us today. Good to be here. I've actually known Neil longer than I've been married, which is crazy, isn't it? That's 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 how long we go back. So, all right, let's talk about this today. Where the subject is friendship for a pastor. Uh, I would refer you back. We, we addressed this quickly in the previous episode, but we want to explore it a little bit more. And I want to say, how important is it that a pastor has a friend in, in his life? And furthermore, let me ask this. What is a friend for a pastor? What is a friend really for a pastor? Let's just start there and then we'll move forward. Okay. Yeah, I think uh, when we talk about friendship and ministry or a friend, um, I, I think it involves somebody who who knows you, right? Who knows um, a lot, not just your story or or what you do, but they know enough about you that they can tell uh, if things aren't right, or you know you're in a bad mood, or you know there there's somebody that knows enough about you and your story that they they can call you out on things, uh, they can encourage you. It's just a whole another level of 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 a relationship intimacy wise that uh, they can just tell certain things about what's going on in life and, and speak truth into that. Because I think we all need truth tellers in our lives. Would you, would you argue and say that the ability to keep a friend over the long haul is a mark of a mature believer? Yeah, I would say so. Because I mean, the, the reality is, is, you know, there are going to be things that bind you together and as brothers and sisters in Christ, the thing that binds us together is Christ himself as joint heirs with Christ. And so if a close friend of mine is a brother in Christ, then, then I know that that is the thing that's going to bind us together. But as we're growing through time, ideally, as we're both sanctifying in the Lord and being sanctified through his word, I mean, they're, they're going to be growing closer together in that friendship as well, as well in the Lord. Would it be fair to say that a friend always has your best interest in mind? Is that a fair qualification? Uh, I, I would say yes, but I also know that we are fallen, broken people. And, uh, you know, just, you know, being honest, I mean, there are times that, uh, you know, we manipulate situations to get the best outcome for ourselves. So uh, at the end of the day, I think a friend wants the best thing for you, but we are still fallen, broken people. Thank you for catching that. You often hear the world talk about friendship in that term of, I just want what's best for you. But that's really Coke. That's Coke. That's Coca-Cola, guys. It's a, no, that's really code for, I want what's best for me, but I'm going to crouch it in terms of what's best for you. And it's a manipulation tool. No, true friends are interested in what? 
I think true friends are interested in what will be in um, best keeping with God's plan for an individual's life mm. and not trying to be manipulative, but rather come along shoulder to shoulder, walk with them where they are, being willing to um, care for them, check on them, pray for them, weep with them at times and be there in dark spots. Do we have any biblical examples of friendships like this? I mean, th there's probably none greater, right, than David and Jonathan. And, I mean, that, that's one that you immediately go to. I mean, th there's a place where it describes their friendship as, as they have a love for one another that's even greater than a lo the love that a man has for a woman. And, and I'm probably messing up the wording a little bit. But, but I know that for me, something that struck me about their story was if you remember, D David and Jonathan seemed to become aware of one another shortly after David had killed Goliath. And, and David comes back and he sort of explains what he had done. But at the beginning of 1 Samuel 18, it says this, as soon as he had finished speaking to Saul, the soul of Jonathan was knit to the soul of David and Jonathan loved him as his own soul. And I often, I think about that when it comes to ministry friendships, because haven't there been people in your lives where you hear them speak and you hear their passion for the Lord, you hear their, their, their vision and direction for ministry, and you're drawn to that person because, because of that that similarity of heart and mission and passion. And so, so, so to me, that's an awesome verbiage of what it's like to, to talk to that good friend who, who, yeah, it's got to involve diving into the hard things going on in each other's lives, but it also is a great joy to be able to talk about ministry and have a, have a similar philosophy, direction, and goal that you're pursuing and, and to know that you've got a co-laborer. And that, that had to be awesome for Jonathan. Yeah. And that's and that I think is something every pastor needs as they're swinging it out in the trenches. No doubt, some may be listening to this podcast and they're pastoring churches of you know, forty to a hundred people in the mountains of Appalachia. They're in a fairly rural context, and the vast majority of the people in that church are senior adults. Uh, here is a question that will emerge, and I referenced this in the last one: Can church members be your friend as a pastor? Yeah, I, I'm going to say yes. Um, I know I feel like the, the generation before mine in ministry would, would argue and say that you should never have a friend in your local church. Um, and I can understand there's some issues in regards to maybe authority and maybe also the level of transparency that you should have in that relationship. But I, I still think you need to have good close friends in the church uh, who maybe understand kind of um, – who understand you, but can also understand when there's situations that arise or there's things going on that can look at you and say, listen, uh, you know, you are poor, you are burning the candle on both ends. You, you need, you need a Sabbath. You need to take some time away or, Hey, I'm, I'm recognizing, Hey, that there, there's something not right. Are you, are you spending time in the word? Are you spending time with the Lord in prayer? And so I, I, I think you do need people who are in that circle. Um, now I'm going to say, I think that circle should be small. Right. I don't think you're friends with with everyone, but there's going to be a small circle or core that you, you have that close friendship that know you and can who can speak truth into your life. Yeah, I, I, I would. Go ahead. Nick. Oh, go on, Garen. I've talked enough. Well, I was going to I was going to add to that. I, I think you've got to have, as Jacob just said, that uh, small but close group of friends there uh, in your local church. Because let's be honest, that small group is going to see you 
uh, when you're under pressure uh, more often than, you know, when we get together as a group of friends and pastors, uh, it is most oftentimes where we're escaping those pressures. And when we are put under pressure, it has a tendency to reveal things that are hidden down in our hearts. And so those, that close group of friends will see more uh, and be able to, as Jacob was just communicating, uh, communicate to you uh, things that they might see that you are struggling with or need help with, or that they can come underneath and help support and encourage you with. And uh, if you don't have that close group of friends within your local church, then people are going to see you when you struggle. They are going to see you uh, when you are, are having troubles. And yet if they don't, if you don't have that closeness, then there's probably not going to be the openness of sharing with that and most times we have a tendency to be blind to those struggles as we're going through them and so it's not only good to have uh, those close friends within the local church that can encourage and support but that can also be open with you so that they are 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 helping you as much as you are helping them as as their pastor in some ways and times Thanks, Gary. Appreciate that. Uh, you know, one of the one of the things you'll see when you become a new pastor, maybe some guys are listening to this and they're a new pastor, is uh, they'll say, well, somebody's going to be in the library quick to help you unpack the books. And I was warned real quick, the first person in there to help you unpack the books, you better watch that one. Because sometimes folks will pose to be friends quickly. And really, it's not so much they're your friend that they're wanting a little tit for tat, you know, in the uh, what was that movie? The Corpse Bride, Tim Burton. They think marriage is all about tit for tat. And there's church members who think that being a pastor's friend, and I know you can't see this, but I'm using quotation fingers, pastor's friend will earn me some kind of favor that when I need to cash in the chips, I can do that. I had one member in another church in another state, so this doesn't happen here as much, but he would, he would oftentimes stick $100 bills in my hand. And, uh, you know, cause it was, I thought, wow, this is really great. He's really trying to help me. Well, he wanted something for that hundred later. You know what I mean? It, it wasn't a true friend or a true friendship there. So, uh, so just be careful about that. Uh, not to rob people of being generous. Some people are actually generous with pastors and they don't want anything back in return, which I think is a sign, a, a loving action. All right. Uh, I do think there's the, you know, obviously we talk about friends, in ministry, there's obviously some some challenges and limitations to you know, obviously time, right? And, and I think part of the reason is, you know, some people don't want to have friends in the church because they've been they've been betrayed, you know, spiritually or betrayed in, in ministry or, or some level of betrayal, and so they just put up walls. And if if, that, if that's the case, if you're going to do that every time a friend betrays you or anyone betrays you, then you know, I mean, that, that's going to be life, you know, um, you yeah. know. But at the same time, you know, uh, the wounds of an enemy or, I mean, the wounds of a friend are, as, as Proverbs talks about, is, is a bomb as well to the soul as opposed to those of an enemy. And the way to distinguish between, because let's be honest, as pastors, sometimes people just wound you and it's not healing at all. Like it's just a wound. <laughs> and uh, the difference being the wounds that friends inflict on us are meant to turn us to the Lord. Now, oh, yeah. You could make a deeper theological point and say, well, aren't all wounds meant to turn us to the Lord? And yes, yes, you can. And that's true. But, uh, you know, you could all, that's kind of like saying, you know, whenever Joseph's brothers tossed him in the hole there, 
you know, were they doing that out of love for Joseph or out of jealousy and rage because they wanted to be in control of the situation? There's a difference, you know, <laughs> as opposed to how Nathan approaches the throne of King David as a prophet who cares for his king and instructs him, right? So there's a difference between those two things. God used mm-hmm. both, but one certainly had a level of uh, dignity and respect, and the other one did not. So, uh, all right. So, what are some things that we need as as our friends come to us? What what are what are some things that uh, friends will, if we have good friends in our lives, that they will help us with? Or like I'm reading through Darren Patrick's case uh, in the transcripts from his interview with Stetzer, it didn't appear. It sounded like he was known by a lot of people. And in a, in a similar fashion, when you're a pastor, you're known by a lot of people. So I don't think pastors are alone a lot because we're constantly in spheres around people. And I would say people in the pews feel like they know us pretty well because we share, I think Neil referenced in the last one, he st- he shares stories that other people look at and say, I would never share that story. Uh, but they certainly feel closer to us than and more connected to us than sometimes we do to them because that kind of sharing of stories and sharing of life is not always reciprocated. Would you rather think that's correct? Yeah. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think there is this level that a lot more people in the church feel they know you as opposed to you knowing them. And and the reality is, is and part of that simply is, is that building a good friendship where, um, one in which you have the, you know, the ability to speak into somebody's life and they have the ability to speak into your life and it being heard. Um, it requires intentionality. Um, so for instance, I'm, I'm not, I'm not as readily going to, to hear a word from somebody who has not taken time to invest in me mm-hmm. as opposed to somebody that I've spent time with pretty regularly that, that I've invested in and they've invested in me that I'm, I'm more quick to listen to them than someone else. Yeah, yeah, and I wonder too. And 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 I don't not knowing Darren Patrick or, or all that he was going through. I, I wonder too to what extent as, as he started to delve into some of those deeper areas of sin, if you know whether it was internally within some lies he was believing, or or whether it was at the spiritual level of, of deception that he was under. When when I think we all go through times where we we believe that nobody would understand, hear, care, or accept if we were to share what we're going through and what we're struggling with in that moment. And so I, I wonder if there's not at least a piece that doesn't have to do with them out there, but but we have to check our own hearts and recognize that, that we do need to be able to be vulnerable and open, even if there's a part of us saying that wouldn't be good. And not to say don't use discernment in who you're vulnerable and open with, but I wonder if the enemy doesn't use that to deceive us and, and keep us from going to get help that is available. Cause, cause I've got to believe that, that there were people that cared about him and even people he cared about. And, and, and yet there seemed to be something there that kept him uh, from being able to go to those people in those times. And, and that was probably, I mean, don't you think it was probably hurtful for people who were like, Hey, I thought we were friends to hear him say in an interview, I didn't really have any friends. And so do you think, I mean, I, I could be crazy there. I, no, I, I would agree with you on that. I, I think that um, you, you know, what is the old adage? 
if you want good friends, you have to be a good friend, right? And so, you know, there's a, you know, I didn't see a lot in the interview about what kind of a friend he was to others. You know what I mean? So there's, there is like levels of trust and effort that you have to pour into a friendship and you have to pour into it, not so much because you want a friend, but because, you know, that's what's going to honor the Lord and that's what's going to be best for them and their spiritual growth, not because you're hoping to get a reciprocation. I mean, any, any friendship, that, I mean, you're moving into manipulation, I think, whenever you get to that point. And, um, you know, for those of you that are listening and you're in a predominantly senior adult congregation, uh, you may be saying, well, I can't be friends with them. You know, I'm 20-something, 30-something years old. Have you have you ever sat down and tried to be friends with some senior adults? I'm going to tell you something. They might turn out to be some of the best friends you ever have. Uh, one of my best friends I had in a church, he actually passed away a week before my son was born. He he was he became like a father to me. And you you better believe God sends some senior adults in your life that are going to be some great friends for you. All right. Um, I think we're getting close to landing the plane here on this episode on, on friendship here. Uh, before we close it down though, this one was a little shorter than the last one. Uh, I would, I would just say and encourage you, uh, if you, if you don't have a good friend pastor, you need to be pouring into others and seeking out, you know, start, you know, I like what Darren Patrick even said in an episode, one of the last ones he made, he said, you know, write down a resume of what you want a friend to be co-laborer in Christ, and then start praying through that list that God will send somebody like that for you. Uh, I know when I first got to seminary, I don't know if I ever told you this, Neil, but I prayed for three things when I got to Southern Seminary because I knew three people in Louisville, Kentucky, uh, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and that was it. (laughs) I didn't know anyone else, and so I prayed for good godly friends. I prayed for a job, good godly friends, and a wife, and uh, I got all of them within the first week, so it all worked out, you know, but I, but I think that time in prayer was crucial, uh, one of which is on the podcast with me today. And then second of all, I would say this to you, church member that's listening to this, be a good friend to your pastor. They need good friends. Guys, any other closing thoughts or anything before we end this episode on, on friendships for pastors? Yeah, you know, we talked a lot about friends and the friends within the church, but I, I think it's also healthy for pastors to be thinking about um, local. You know, I know Neil talked about co-laborers, and uh, you know, it's obviously the the term that Paul uses of 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 the church people in, in Philippi as as they were co-laborers in the gospel, but they were also friends to him from what we gather. And I think we need other pastors, we need other ministry friends who are co-laborers. They are they're not people we're working against or in competition with, but we are part of the, the kingdom together and, and seeking to build the kingdom. So I think we need to realize we've, we've got to have more co-laborers uh, who are friends and speaking into our life. That's very good. And I want to say, even though Neil's my oldest friend, all of our hosts here on the Appalachian Baptist Network, I do count on our, uh, my friends. And this has been an incredibly important part of my own personal spiritual life. I can call these brothers. I called, I was on the phone with Jaron for how long were we on the phone Monday, brother? We were on the phone for like an hour, weren't we? Yeah, probably so. And we were just kicking, you know, things around, helping each other out. So those, those things are critical. They are critical. So, all right, brothers, thank you again for joining me here for the second one here. We'll, we have one more plan 
for the, uh, the, the Darren Patrick series here for pastors. And uh, the last one's going to be on the mental and emotional health of a pastor. And so I'm probably going to get either Dr. Ross Nunes, and I have another friend in the mental health field who I may get on here to join us for that. I'm not sure which one can commit to do it. So tune in here in about three weeks to hear that one. Uh, and then we have a couple coming up on church splits that uh, I think you'll like. We actually split the episode on church splits. It'll land on some of you later. Anyway, thanks yeah, for no, no one is, you know, the thing about this is that no one can see the video, which is most of us shaking our head. But uh, so I just want to make sure that people hear that, that there that there was no laughter and that we were just shaking yeah. our head. Yeah, the jokes are really hard. I'm sure you guys have experienced it with video preaching lately, how hard it is to tell a joke, but they're also hard to tell when you can't see each other. So so there's a lot of challenges to that kind of humor. You don't know how it lands. So anyway, all right, thank you all. You have been listening to the Appalachian Baptist Network. Thanks for joining us. If you have a question or comment for our host, please send an email to Network at gmail.com or send us a voice message on our Anchor website page at anchor.fm slash Appalachian dash Baptist dash network. Join us again next Monday.